Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. Up on our site, The Ringer is breaking down the 40 best singles and albums from 1999, covering Britney Spears, The Backstreet Boys, Mariah Carey, and tons more. And to accompany that piece, we filmed our staffers discussing what they agreed and disagreed with from the article and debated what should have won. You can read the piece on TheRinger.com and watch the video at YouTube.com slash TheRinger. Welcome to Why I Hate My Team. I'm Bobby Wagner. I am the producer of the Ringer MLB show. Um, This week, we're going to talk to Sean Yu in the second half of the show about the Yankees and how they kind of maybe uh, didn't pull things together at the trade deadline the way that he was hoping to. But first, I have staff writer Claire McNear on the line. Hi, Claire. Hey, great to be here. Claire is a Giants fan, and she has really been through it in the last couple of weeks. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Claire, can you take me where you were emotionally a month ago, and where you are now, a few days removed from the <laughs> trade deadline. I know that's a big ask, but... Oh, man. I mean, it was so easy at the start of this season to to be a Giants fan because you, you knew what you were going to get. You knew you were just going to have a terrible season. The team was going to be garbage, just awful to watch. You knew that at the trade deadline, the best players would leave, and that meant Madison Bumgarner would go play for another team, and it was going to be awful. I wrote something for our MLB preview about it, like, I was preparing to say goodbye. I was, I was like distraught, but you know, it had to happen. You're describing this as easy. Oh, well that was the easy part. (laughs) And then suddenly it turned into July 1st. And all of a sudden the Giants remembered how to play baseball. They went, sorry, I wrote this down somewhere in the first three weeks of July, they went 14 and three and the games were fun. They had dominant pitching. They had great offense, leading in comebacks, extra inning heroics, you name it. Madison, of course, phenomenal as always. Uh, and suddenly it, it became a, a thing where, oh my God, they can't trade Madison Bumgarner or anybody because probably the Giants are going to win the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not. They're not. But probably. Um, so it just turned into this, this kind of nightmare of uh, I I was feeling zen, sad, but zen about the trade deadline uh, until July. And then suddenly I so desperately did not want the, the team to trade Madison Bumgarner in particular, but also kind of knew that even with the team suddenly performing kind of well, that it, it was more than likely something of a fluke, in which case they absolutely should get rid of Madison Bumgarner. So anyway, it's been, <laughs> it's been a journey. So let's start there with Madison Bumgarner because there are other players, obviously, yeah. that other teams were interested in. I think the the biggest rumor before this heading into the season and then it continued throughout was like closer Will Smith, um, and right. he ended up not moving either. Um, but I do want to start with Bumgarner because he's kind of like the big ticket item for Giants fans. Obviously, he holds a very important place in all of y'all's heart because of his postseason performance and just he's been kind of like the one consistent thing on that pitching staff since they've become in in this generation of Giants players. So for you, what is your relationship to him? What was your relationship to the idea of maybe moving him and letting him go to a contender? Because I'm just going to say this plainly, I guess the rest of baseball kind of hates him. And I think with good reason. So when he's on, I think when he, definitely with good reason. <laughs> so when he's wearing your uniform and he's obviously brought you a lot of these just elite moments of happiness, um, 
What is it like to watch the rest of baseball hope that he kind of fails? And then did you want to keep him this time around at the trade deadline and why? Yeah, I mean, the way I feel about Bumgarner, um, I should stop calling it Madison. We're not on a first name basis. Maybe you are. Uh, <laughs> you won two, two World Series. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, you know, he's a jerk, but he's our jerk. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to uh, Craig Gaines on an earlier episode of this talk about uh, his, as a Dodgers fan, his intense hatred for Madison Bumgarner. And I get it. I mean, I absolutely get it. I cannot resent um, other fans of other teams uh, not not loving Bumgarner. Um, but, you know, I, I have a Madison Bumgarner Christmas ornament that I hang on my Christmas oh, wow. tree every year. Oh, yeah. This is I'm, the in, good stuff. I'm in deep, but yeah, but uh, I just had a birthday and I had a conversation earlier this season about how, you know, I was kind of contemplating maybe getting like a you know a new Giants jersey. And I was like, well, I would want to get the Bumgarner one, but I can't. I, I, it will break my heart when he goes and plays for the Yankees like a month later. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's been it's been tough. And like I was saying before, it on the one hand, it would kill me to see him play for another team. On the other, this, this Giants team is maybe not necessarily going places and there were a lot of teams that could have used a reliable arm even if it was one that had previously infuriated them and trying to cash in on Bumgarner for you know a handful of of prospects probably would have been a better long-term move or at least rest of 19 move but um I'm I'm not sad about it (laughs) yeah and why would you be right like the the haul for Madison Bumgarner was not going to be like the hall for an ace who has a couple more years of team control, right? It's not going to be the Justin Verlander right, return. Right. It's not going to be like that kind of thing where you're getting back your next generation of great giants. It's going to be like you're getting a couple of guys who might turn into something, but he's only under contract for the rest of the year. And the compensatory pick, without getting into the weeds too much, that they're going to get back by losing him in the offseason, should they lose him? I mean, who knows? Maybe he just wants to come back and play with the Giants for the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's- funny to watch uh, the beat writers try to get any kind of quote out of Bumgarner this week about not being traded, about about the anticipation right before the deadline and his thoughts right after. And he's just shut down every single one. He's like, ah, I didn't really think about it. He says he was like in the like weight room when it hit four o'clock and he didn't even notice that the trade deadline had passed. Like he's like totally indifferent, didn't have any preferences either way. You know, he just cares about baseball. Um, and who knows if that's if that's actually true, but that is a very Bumgarner um, line, at least. So, yeah, I mean, what what was interesting about this trade deadline in particular is the Giants this season have new leadership in the front office. Um, they, in the offseason, hired Farhan Zaidi, who was uh, the Dodgers GM, and he's credited as one of the main architects of this current L.A. team. Um, and he did a really good job balancing the team's kind of obvious need for prospects, which was a lot of sort of what his marching orders were when he was hired for this job, um, was kind of sort of maybe keeping the door open should the Giants for some reason keep keep winning like 85% of their games, which they won't, but maybe. Uh, so, you know, it was, I, I did not envy um, his having to be the person who, who had to make that decision. Yeah, so that was the next guy I wanted to ask you about. I mean, there are a couple fringe guys who might get traded and stuff, but I think the real star of this deadline for the Giants is probably Farhan Zaidi, right? And Giants fans seem to be thrilled with what he did. And why not, right? They didn't lose all of their players. They got off the Mark Melanson contract, which is 
nuts that he was even being paid so much. And I was looking yeah. back at at Melanson's fan graphs and baseball reference and stuff, and I kind of think like as someone who wasn't watching him day in and day out, I thought he was way worse by now. But he's like still a pretty serviceable reliever. Right. Um, for for a lot of teams who are starved for relievers because they're using them so much, right? Like the market for relievers is if you're a guy in the three ER, three ERAs, you're probably pretty useful to a team who needs like more than half of their innings from a bullpen. Um, and yeah. the, the Braves rotation is kind of very questionable right now. So they uh, they got away with that one, I think. But as someone <laughs> who's watched very closely the Dodgers build themselves into this juggernaut contender every year, and you've been in the same division as them, and it, it's tough because the Dodgers are always winning the division. The Giants have had their share of postseason success. I don't need to tell you that. But <laughs> now that you're in Farhan Zaidi's hands, is it like just the most comfortable, warm embrace that you can ever have as a fan? Because I don't know that I'll ever experience that. <laughs> I mean, it was a little bit terrifying. Um, and, and I mean, again, it was like, I even wrote a column uh, for The Ringer a week or two ago, kind of, kind of, sort of saying, keep Bumgarner, but probably don't, but maybe, um, basically what I've been saying on this. But, uh, you know, he did an incredible job of, of kind of doing both things. Cause it was giants fans, um, had kind of woken up to the team because suddenly, Oh my God, they were really, really exciting again. And, and he was going to be the person who got screamed at for, for sending away the beloved bum garner or the idiot who, you know, didn't do anything for the team and, and continued what the giants had been doing that kind of got them into this, which is giving out, you know, too much money or kind of staying, staying the course with, um, with, with, uh, like aging stars who weren't necessarily quite what they had been even a few years ago. Um, and he, he kind of managed to do a little bit of buying and a little bit of selling, which was sort of the running joke that, that the giants would be able to pull off, but he actually did it. So, I mean, yeah, he did a great job. It's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, with so many teams that are stacked and so many teams that are tanking right now, I think kind of the market inefficiency is like being average, you know, and when when you're average yeah. and you have good players, just a few good players here and there who are very reliable, you might go on one of these streaks that the Giants are going on. You know, I mean, like the Mets are kind of in the same boat right now where it's like they have a good solid core. They have obvious gaps and they have a lot of aging stars or a few aging stars in key positions. And if things come together, you might win seven in a row or you might win 85% of your games, you know? So yeah. let, me, let me ask you this. For the rest of the season, are you just expecting them to fall right back off a cliff or are you kind of like in your heart of hearts? Are you like, maybe this oh. is one of those teams that will just pull a rabbit out of the hat? I mean, you might have noticed that I said that their hot streak was the first three weeks of July <laughs> yeah. now being over. Uh, they have kind of flipped back into looking um, quite a bit more like they did uh, before before July. Um, they just dropped last night their first series since June to the Phillies. Um, and yeah, they're not necessarily looking like they're, I mean, the, the wild card race is really tough. Like on the one hand, they're only two and a half games back for the NL wild card, but there are four teams ahead of them right now, the Diamondbacks yeah. and the Mets, the Mets are just behind them, you know? So it's as much as um, it, it has been very exciting and that hot streak kind of gave me faith in this team and in large part because it, it was sort of the result of some new faces in the lineup. Um, you know, I wanted to believe in it, but it, it, it does seem like maybe the 2019 Giants are in fact the 2019 Giants. Um, not so, an even year, so, you know. You know, not an even year. Um 
so I, you know, I, I, I can deal with it. Like I said, I went into the season not expecting anything, but uh, it would be it would be something if they managed to squeak into the wild card. Right. Okay. So, last question. Kind of looking forward. Once once 2019 is wrapped, and you know, we don't anticipate that they're going to pull off some wild World Series run. Um, so, with that caveat being said, like. Are you worried that you're just going to have to go through a lot of this same emotional journey? Like, are you worried that you might not be able to find your, how did you describe it? Your something Zen? Is that going to be the same <laughs> thing that you're going to get in the off season? Or uh, um, now that this yeah. trade deadline has passed, do you feel like you're kind of on the other side of the storm? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I guess I, I, should, I should say that, that, that this team has made me so happy in recent years that I feel like I can never complain. Like, I feel like the Giants could never get to the World Series again in my lifetime, and I would still be like a spoiled person. But um, it, it will be tough to watch as they kind of finally have to start letting the, the beloved stars of those championship teams go. And, and that might ultimately mean Bumgarner because I mean, they can't keep kind of handing out these massive reward contracts. You'll spend your whole career as a giant um, because then, you know, (laughs) players get older and your team doesn't end up uh, winning anymore. So, I mean, no, I guess my short answer is, is no, I do not anticipate uh, being, being more Zen than not, but, (laughs) um, but you know, you, you kind of get it. Like the, the hope I think is that Farhan Zaidi will lead us to, a wonderful place in a couple few years um, where once again, we've got like fun, exciting uh, young players and, and a farm system that's finally starting to come back. So someday. Yeah. I mean, I think Zaidi's probably too prudent to really just give out those massive reward contracts. That I think year. so. And I think, he, and I think he was, he was hired not to. So, exactly. Yeah. You don't um, bring it, in that front sting, office. But yep. All right. Well, here's to hoping that you just get to watch all of the giant stars of yesteryear right off into the sunset. Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Carver. So a lot of these guys are still really good and useful players. So it'll be fun to watch them and to wear their jerseys for the coming years. Claire, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Sean Yu in the studio. Sean Yu, what's up? Bobby, thanks for having me. Uh, even though I'm not too thrilled to be here to talk about the Yankees' current situation, I'm glad you invited me to this podcast. It's kind of the point, man. You're not supposed to be thrilled. <laughs> a couple of people have come on here and been like, I love being a fan of my team still. And I'm like, you guys are supposed to lean into the bit. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. all still love being fans of our teams. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. I'm, I, for one, am just glad that we didn't have to come to Fisticuffs this week. Oof, that one of my aces is not now your ace. I know. you. Uh, I dropped in the slack that if I, I said, like, I'd be super excited if Noah came to the Yankees, obviously. But then you were like, Sean, you're dead to me if that happens. <laughs> and I was like, look, that's the fair response. That's I, I expect that from my friends who are Mets fans. I wasn't playing around. <laughs> okay, so... So we should start there, actually. Yeah, we should start okay. with starting pitching. Yeah. Um, because oh, boy. That's, that's not where the Yankees started. <laughs> oh, boy. The Yankees, as listeners will know, stood pat at the trade deadline. Um, there's been a lot of writing on the ringer.com winners and losers. Michael Bauman summarizing um, who did a good job, who didn't fill gaps that they needed, who kind of just did nothing. Um, and the Yankees were one of those teams that kind of just did nothing. Um, and, you know, he pegged them as a loser. So th- they obviously didn't get... The three biggest stars that moved, I would say, were Bauer, Stroman, Granke. Bauer and Stroman, specifically, they're like arbitration players. They're unrestricted free agents in 2021. So those would have been, I think, really useful trades for this Yankees 
team as it's constructed right now. Yep. And then Granky, thirty-five million a year. You know, you can sort of make a case for why they wouldn't want to do that at and and go into the luxury tax for a guy that's like in his mid thirties and losing velocity on his fastball. But the rotation right now: it's Tanaka, Paxton, Hap, Herman, and like potentially a question mark? Sevy if he comes back and right. is fine. But yeah. who knows? It likely he will remain in the bullpen for the yep. playoffs at least. Yep. He might make a couple of starts, just spot starts at the end of the year, but they will probably be spot starting or bullpenning that fifth day for a while. So we should start there. Were you expecting them to get a starter? Were you expecting them to do the Yankees thing where they just make an offer people can't refuse and suddenly now they have a guy who's going to fill that role? Um, I think everyone was expecting it, especially um, all of last offseason, this past offseason was... The Yankees need more starting pitching. The Yankees need more starting pitching. And we got Paxton, and he hasn't been the pitcher that he was in Seattle that he is with the Yankees, but it's still another uh, solid pitcher that we have. But I think everyone really expected, especially since we were coming off truly the worst pitching week in franchise history, and compared to the other teams in the AL, the Rays, Indians, and Astros who are all competing for a World Series, they're all in the top four in ERA, and the Yankees right now are, are 15th. So... It's a glaring, glaring need. And I think I, I talked, we talked real briefly before recording this pod about how I was immediately after the trade deadline furious. And then I kind of talked myself into it being fine. And the main reason I talked myself into being fine was uh, this quote from Cashman where he says, these prices that I felt were way out of reach doesn't sound like, it. he says later, doesn't sound like anything was, you know, in the, in the ballpark of what they were expecting. And it, it makes sense to a degree because um, with the Mets, they were ready to strip uh, Stroman, and the price that they were asking for was was quite strong. It was Estevan Florial and Devi Garcia, who are two top Yankee prospects, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to give them up for Stroman for potentially most likely a rental. And you know, um, Greinke had a no trade clause to fifteen teams. The Yankees were included in that, and so. That makes sense why he's off the board. The Bauer thing, I'm a little confused by. I feel like... Um, Match made in heaven right there. <laughs> yeah, honest, truly, <laughs> honestly. But, um, you know, the the next level down was like a Robbie Ray and, you know, the next tier down of pitchers. But even that asking price the D-backs were asking for was Clint Frazier and three prospects. And, you know, I'm like, that's not worth it for a rental and who knows if they'll fit in this Yankee rotation well. And so... I've I that that was the point where I talked myself into trusting Cashman and it being a fine offseason or a trade deadline, excuse me. And then I just continue to look at our starting pitching and our bullpen and I'm like, <laughs> we're in trouble. We're in trouble when you look at what the Astros have, you know? Yeah, I it doesn't maybe necessarily need to be a binary because like not all of those pitchers were perfect for this rotation. But then again, you look at the other end of it and it's like well, our rotation isn't good enough as it is. So, like, this is the cards that you were dealt, and you maybe have to play with those cards. Trusting Brian Cashman is probably not a bad way to go out as a fan. He's done a very good job of building this team, and he's done a better job than basically any Yankees front office ever has in developing homegrown talent 100%. over the last twenty years or yep, so. Yep, you know, yeah, yeah, he's been he's been great at it, and it. it you're right. It's a, it's the perfect person to put your trust in. Um, I think it was. Uh, Dombrowski's tweet about how he was like, we're not even, I didn't make any moves because we're not in contention. We're close, yeah. (laughs) And I said to my friends, like, if Cashman ever said something like that, like, all of New York would riot. And, you know, like, people would lose their minds. And that's kind of the 
the level of degree that we, the level of standards that we hold Cashman to, and I respect it. But look, I mean, it's a two-man, it's a two-team race in the AL, and the Astros clearly leveled up, and the Yankees are going to run the same team that, you know, hasn't gone to the World Series in a while, and yeah. since 2009. And so I, you could just hear my voice. I'm not thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, it is a little tougher. I think the thing that you probably need to remember, and which I don't need to remind you of, is that when you're the Yankees, you have to pay a tax. Like, no team is going to give you a guy yep. when they know that you have the money and the capital. And frankly, the prospects over the last 20 years that Cashman has done a great job of developing, like we're talking about, when you have the the assets to pay for it, they're not going to not ask. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. nobody wants to get ripped off by the richest team. Yeah, and it's like, it's the classic Yankee problem. It's, you know, it's we're just such a historical powerhouse and you know certain players want to come play for the Yankees other players do not and other players or other teams don't want to deal with us and you know the fact that the Mets were even talking with the Yankees was hilarious to me because you know they're in the same city and they've always been you know at at you know odds with each other whether even though they're not in the same uh league but it's one of those things where it's like what who you know, looking from the outside of a Yankee fan, like who would ever want to deal with the Yankees? Who would ever want to make a trade to benefit the Yankees? Yeah. Even though it benefits the other team significantly. And you can, you saw it clearly in this trade line where other teams were asking for the world, for for the pitchers or players they had. And it was, you know, smart of Cashman to say, you know, no, that's ridiculous. But again, credit to these other teams who are not going to let the Yankees, you know, run over them with the deal that only benefits one team who has had success historically. You know, it's yeah. it, it, it's it's quite a dilemma being a Yankee fan, but I can't complain. It's interesting that, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about that and you feel that way that teams don't want to help the Yankees at all because you look at another sport and their teams are pretty willing to help like the Warriors. Dude, They're yeah, pretty willing to help know, the Lakers. They're pretty willing to help the Knicks if need be, get off cap money, all these different things. Like all... Baseball gets a, like a, a rap for the owners and front offices colluding with each other, and I don't want to, you know, make specific claims about that because <laughs> yeah. on stuff that I maybe don't know enough about, even though it, it, uh-huh. a, a picture has been painted. But the NBA, it's like we're all helping each other out here, guys. Like we're all tampering, we're all doing this, we're all doing it's that. All and these then, handshake <laughs> deals and like winks, like I, I get you, I'll get you in two years, you know, like I'll help you with this pay cut. Like Daryl Morey does it all the time, and as yes. a Rockets fan, I'm like, well. That's incredible. The NBA is a great place and everyone's thriving together. But I guess baseball, the it's the ego thing, right? All these GMs want to be, you know, praised for all the moves they make and solely around them and not, you know, not ever being like a Cashman Dombrowski deal. What a great job for both of these guys. Like yeah. those guys are all super, you know, high ego minded. GM is a rock star. Yeah, of course, especially in baseball, more so than any other sport. So I totally get it, but yeah, to some I, extent, like fans identify more with the GM than they do with like players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which for is sure. like you would never see someone who's like, I mean, everybody loves Daryl Morey, you know, specifically NBA media included. Yeah, but like you'd never see a guy be like, I like Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey better than James Harden. No, you know, yeah, like, yeah. but if you love the GM in baseball, you're like, maybe they make a movie about that guy one day. <laughs> maybe Brad Pitt will play him. So, I mean, yeah, seriously, and it's like you know, I'm sure there are people who are Theo Epstein fans, you know, will like follow him and trust and trust him wherever he goes. And Cashman's that same way. Cashman is beloved by the New York Yankees fan, the fan base and everyone. But I think this deadline was one of the ones where we were like, we just, we just wanted more of you. I know these yeah. teams were kind of, you know, 
asking for a lot and and kind of you know trying to play you, but you're Brian Cashman. You're the New York Yankees. Like, yeah, make moves like that. You know, make moves with the New York on your on your cap. And that was the Stanton trade, right? <laughs> yeah. That was the yep, we're yep. the fucking Yankees trade. And I don't know. Maybe you're looking for a little bit more of that because I think the the prevailing thought in baseball among like level headed reasonable fans is like we can't just win the World Series on a whim. Like we could make all the right decisions and still lose. And that doesn't happen in in basketball. It maybe does happen in football, but less so. But baseball is such a crapshoot, right? That I feel like a lot of fans have come to accept the fact that even if we make all the right prudent moves, we might not win. So we probably shouldn't just make a wild trade at the trade deadline. And baseball fans have become a little bit more level-headed. But the Yankees fans are not included in that never, at all. Yankees never. fans feel like they never. should win every trade and win every World Series, right? You know, I had a funny conversation with a, a diehard Dodger fan last night, and we were both talking about how, you know, we're, we're our, both our teams are favored in the World Series spot, and the Dodgers didn't make any moves. But both the consensus was the Dodgers have a kind of a, a cakewalk through the NL as of now, just because, you know, they've been there the last two years, and they're clearly the best team um, and you know, obviously they have some holes, but f- from the Yankee perspective is like LA fans are, you know, they're passionate to some degree about baseball, but New York fans spice, is like, baby. <laughs> <laughs> New York fans, it's like, it's like lifeblood. Like I, I can't tell you how many times I've had random when I was living in New York, like have random conversations with just strangers about the New York Yankees. And like, I'll, I've missed stop my stops because I'm having a heated <laughs> argument with, with the Yankee. It's like, it's more I- ingrained with the lifestyle of New York culture. And it's all people talk about during a baseball season. Whereas, you know, everyone in LA is like more so you'd probably be more in line to have a conversation about once upon a time in Hollywood than how are the Dodgers doing right now? Shout after out to Tarantino's future presentation. Yep, Go listen. Yep. Great pod on, on a great <laughs> website. But the New York thing is is fascinating. Like New York fans will never be satisfied and they'll always have something to have a gripe with. And it just happens at this trade deadline that it was a full-blown anger meltdown. What are we doing? We stand no shot. If you look at it, like we're really, we're in a, the Yankees are in a really good spot on paper right now. But yeah, I think 30 games above five. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what should they be complaining about? But like the way the Yankee mentality is, is like, no, well, I don't care about the next however many games until the playoffs. I care about like game four or five in the divisional round where we've exhausted Tanaka, Pax, and Herman. And it's like, what, what next? Yeah. You know, and like our bolt, like a lot of the issue is also like our bullpen management. Like Boone hasn't, that hasn't been a strong suit ever. And right. It's funny, I have this quote written down where he was like, I was in there celebrating the win and looking around the room knowing we have everything we need to be a championship club when someone <laughs> asked him about the trade deadline. And I'm like, man, that's that's such an Aaron Boone player coach type mentality. Yeah, these are my guys. Yeah, these are the guys I'm going to stick with. And it's great for morale and it's great for this. But what happens when you bring in Batanzas in the seventh and he blows a game because that's what he does and you had used Chapman for three innings last last inning and it's like, it's all on Britain for the last three innings of the game or something like that. And it's like, one other reliever could have helped. You know, like, 
all we got was Alfredo Garcia from the Rockies, <laughs> who won't be up for uh, God knows how many years. Like I can't I, believe you're requesting more relievers. The Yankees are a full win ahead in I war, know, I know. End, or bullpen <laughs> war for the season. But and that is the that is the psychotic mindset of Yankee fans <laughs> of like. I need a bullpen that is more than good and has more than depth. I need a bullpen where I look at it, I'm like, okay, we're, that's like, you know, that's game six guy. That's like, you know, like, yeah. just because like, that's how, that's why we've lost in these heartbreaking playoff games. And the Astros, you know, revamped their, their, their rotation and their guys, it, it's, it's a product of the Yankees guys. And when you talked about their potential playoff starters, Tanaka, Pax, and Herman, um, those guys are gonna go six innings if they pitch well, right? You know, whereas all these Astro pitchers, your Coles, your Verlanders, it could go a full nine, and it's like our bullpen is so crucial. And yes, we do have a bull- good bullpen, but like crazy shit happens in the playoffs. And I know, like, just that's all that's all that's on the mind of Yankee fans is like when shit hits the fan, we're just gonna look back at this moment this week and be like, why didn't we do anything? Yeah, so I I want to ask you about that specifically the bullpenning, but first I just want to point out for all of the Twitter mentions and that uh you said Dodgers fans are bad <laughs> compared to, to compared to Yankees fans. I love that gauntlet thrown down. I'm sure uh, Craig Gaines will have words about that for you. <laughs> Dodger fans are extremely extremely passionate, but it's like I want to say like 45% of, of Dodger there? fans. Oh my. <laughs> like if you if you go to a Dodger game, 45% of the fans are passionate. They watch nearly every regular season game and they're up to date and they keep track. The rest of that percentage is people who happen to have tickets from a producer, agent, friend, or people wow. who are like, oh, uh, Tuesday night, it's nice out. Why don't we just go to the game? Let's He's go throwing knives. <laughs> I mean, Yankee Stadium's a product of that too, but I'm just saying the culture is more ingrained. Like, I don't, I can't remember the last time I talked Dodgers on a casual basis with a stranger. You're, everybody in, in New Come York. Come after me. I live in Los Angeles. Everybody you know in New I York live. is just a uh, just a big Francesa guy just listening, <laughs> just crushing it every day. <laughs> yeah. Three hours drive time radio. Yep, okay. Yep. Let's talk about bullpenning in the playoffs and then we can get out of here. Okay. Because obviously the Yankees lineup is as good as it's going to get. You know, as good as you need to win mm-hmm, a World Series mm-hmm. or even better, right? Yep, like yep. they have incredible home run hitters. You've written on the site a couple times about how they've. Last year, you predicted them to break the single-season home run by team record. And we got someone like DJ who can hit, you know, just for contact, and it adds another layer to the team. Exactly. You know, it's everything you need to to win a World Series with that lineup. But the rotation, we've we've touched a lot on. The bullpen, I think, is something that Cashman is saying, like, we are going to be able to rely on this in the playoffs. And you've seen a lot of teams trend towards that. You know, a team like the Brewers made it deep in the the playoffs last year just by— using a guy like Josh Hader a lot and, mm-hmm. and using mm-hmm. their bullpen really effectively. And um, I think their manager, Craig Council, was great in that for respect. Sure, for sure. But, you know, you've expressed some reservations about whether Boone can do that. I think Cashman is probably expecting the front office to just be, be able to be like, you should use this guy in this situation and for Boone to just be kind of a player-manager guy. Yep. Do you really trust that bullpenning an entire way through the playoffs to the World Series will work? And not at, not in a general sense for uh, from a baseball analysis perspective, but with this Yankees team, do you trust the bullpen to take you f- through rounds one, two, three th- into the World Series? Uh, honestly, no. And it's it's one of those things of the regular season is is one thing, and the Yankees have a really nice you know setup man, the setup man before the setup man, you know like the six, seven, eight, nine guys, great, and we have Batanzas potentially coming back. 
But like it comes down to like guys like Ottavino, Britain. I, I know Britain might has some playoff experience, but like I the mental aspect is is something where you really can never trust any bullpen. And you know, chat you could throw Chapman in there and he, you know, he's been a head case at times. He's had some serious location struggles. And, you know, when that stuff happens, it's like for Boone to manage a bullpen throughout a playoff and rely on, you know, a a starting pitcher to go at minimum six so that he can get into the bullpen. Like one wrong move creates a domino effect, a massive ripple effect that affects everyone else. And then that one thing will snowball into the next game or even to the next series and changes the, the way Britain pitches or the way Chapman yeah. goes about a batter. And it's like these little things add up and it's it's just exponentially heightened being in New York and the media nonstop talking about the bullpen and all these struggles. And so that's my, I think, main issue. Like on paper, can this bullpen carry the Yankees to the World Series? Yes. In theory, yes. But if you look at all the other stuff and just what we've experienced in the playoffs in the past, I, it just that's why our that's why the Yankee fans that's their main frustration and their main worry is like you just can't trust them. I just can't put my full trust into them. Yeah, I think it's a real high wire act, right? Because like yeah. in the regular season, you know, it's like if you think about it, sort of like gears in a watch or something. It's mm-hmm. like there's three or four gears in the watch when you have. Um, a starter going six or seven, and then you have the setup guy, and then the next setup guy, and then Chapman closing it out, right? But if you're doing it for an entire one-month playoff run where you're really relying on these guys to go to give you six innings, the bullpen in total giving you six innings, and you start adding more gears, you start adding more gears, one breaks, then you lost. Yep. And that's kind of what's happened to the Yankees the last few years. I I still am maybe of the mindset, and maybe this is because I just... I, I trust sabermetrics a lot, but like <laughs> I'm still of the mindset that like these guys are the best options for this team, especially yeah, because of, of the course, rotation. Of if course. you have a Justin Verlander, it's like that's maybe one thing. He's an iconic big game pitcher, but I don't know, man. Domingo Herman, I like him. Yeah. I like his FIP, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it might I, not work against the Astros in the ALCS. Agreed. And like a, a, a pressure cooker situation, like what? what's his mental capacity like what's his you know mindset is he clutch and like you mentioned the Verlander thing like we're never gonna have a pitcher on our starting rotation go nine a complete game just masterful performance like that's just not gonna happen with the pitchers on this rotation and so it's just a lot of weight and a lot of expectations on a bullpen and so I'm not thrilled uh you know, like, I I just don't, I really don't know what to say. It's a real butterfly effect, though, right? Because, like, why don't they have Verlander? Or why don't they have a Verlander? Yeah, a couple yeah, years yeah, ago yeah. when the Astros went and got him, like, the Astros were desperate to win a World Series. And guess what? It worked, man. Like, why? And, and they're still reaping the benefits of that because Verlander Dude, is still yeah, great. It was a smart great. trade over and over again. It's still a smart trade every year. I saw, I saw a tweet today about, like, this is why the Yankees not getting Corbin in the off season or is, Cole or Cole or any of these those guys or Keiko for that matter is like, why didn't we get these guys early so that we don't have to deal with this smaller pool of starting pitchers in the trade deadline where people clearly know that the Yankees need starting pitching pitching and could do and ask for whatever they want, knowing that it puts the Yankees in a tough spot. Like why didn't we plan ahead? You know, I yeah. just, uh, I, Everyone, it's funny. Everyone in New York wants to be Brian Cashman and thinks they can do what Cashman does and has all these ideas for them. But like, that's just the New Yorker and everyone. And, you know, like, again, I trust him, but 
I would have loved to see seen a, a starting pitcher added to this rotation that can go eight or nine, you know? All that being said, if they get left out of the World Series again this year, I'm sure that like they'll find uh, some they'll, they'll find some team that's ready to blow it up. Like they'll get Scherzer on their team yeah, by next year. Sure, and all of this sure. conversation will be moot and we'll be like, all right, Death Star is back. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm genuinely uh, excited and nervous at the same time for this upcoming playoff race. And it's the way you got to be. I know, I know. All right, Sean. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me.